Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I want to just uh, start off tonight with just one just reminder truth. How many here have ever heard or remember the seven compound names of God? Everybody ever hear of that? The seven compound names of God? It starts off with Jehovah, and then there's a Hebrew word after it. There's Jehovah Nissi, it means the Lord our banner or the Lord our victory. There's Jehovah Shama, that means the Lord is there. There's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. There's Jehovah Sid Canoe, that's T-S-I-D, canoe, like sitting in a canoe, but it's Sid Canoe. And that means the Lord our righteousness, okay? And then there's another one, it's Jehovah Rapha, and that means the Lord our physician or the Lord our healer. Okay, the other one is Jehovah Rohi, that's the Lord our shepherd. Y'all remember there's a psalm like that called Psalm 23, right? And that's the Jehovah Rohi. So all those names are revelations, they're Old Testament revelations of, of God's character that he revealed to different people throughout the Old Testament. And Jehovah Rapha is the one that we're talking about tonight. Jehovah Rapha is the Lord our healer or the Lord our physician, okay? And Isaiah 53 is another example of that. It says, Isaiah 53 verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement or punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were, past tense, were healed. By his stripes we were healed. Now, the, the truth of the English language says that if it says were, that means it's already done, right? Doesn't mean, it doesn't say by his stripes you will be now, how can that be, someone says, well, how can it be that it says I was healed or were healed when in fact the symptoms are still here? Well, the, the explanation is this. The price was already paid back on Calvary. The price for our healing was paid way back at the whipping post and at Calvary. It's the price is paid. Now, the fact that we haven't yet received it is much like when you buy something on the internet, you buy, you, you buy it, right? You, you click, and Amazon's kind of messed up my example because then you look, you, you, it's like you buy it on Amazon, and you basically blink your eyes and it's on your front steps, right? That's how, kind of how it works. But it used to be you'd buy it on the telephone and wait two weeks, and then it would show up, right? Or sometimes you buy something and you're waiting for that thing to come. But if somebody says, do you have this thing? You would have said, right? You'd have said, yeah, I bought that yesterday. It's coming. I got it in the mail, right? It's coming in the mail. Even when you buy something on Amazon today, you can click on that thing and you, you're like, wonder when it's going to get here. Two days are free. All right, here we go. Prime, here we come on Amazon. It's coming, right? You know it's going to be there in two days. That, that shirt or that pair of shorts or that jewelry for you, probably shoes, right? And you, you consider it yours before you ever have it, don't you? You bought it. You know it's coming. You're, ex, you're excited about it showing up, right? 
You're excited about it. You, you consider it yours. Why? Well, I already paid for it. I clicked on it. It's already hit my bank card, right? So it's just a matter of time, and it's here. See, we have no trouble accepting, believing, or having faith that Amazon will keep its word. But sometimes we have a little harder time believing that God will keep his word. Why is that? Well, we don't have as much experience with God as we have with Amazon, probably, right? But the fact of the matter is God is much more dependable than an internet purchasing company, That's right? right? So what we gotta realize is that just because something was, if something was bought, that means you have a right to it. So question number one, is it true that by Jesus' stripes you were healed? Is that true? Okay, so that therefore it belongs to you, right? The price was paid, right? The price was paid. Just like when that thing hits your bank card, it's paid, right? Do you, do you have it in your possession yet? That's kind of, that's the gray part. You, maybe not, it might not have manifested yet. Maybe it's not on your front stoop yet, like the package hasn't arrived yet. You're awaiting its manifestation. So here's what a, a, a decent definition of faith would be. Now this is not a, uh, how do I want to say it? This is not something that, that is a Webster's Dictionary definition. This is a definition that I believe is accurate. If you want to argue with me, that's fine. Faith is believing that something has occurred in the unseen spiritual realm and you're awaiting its arrival or manifestation in the seen material realm. That's that's what faith is. You're certain that something has occurred in the unseen spiritual realm and you're awaiting its manifestation in the seen natural realm. So you say, well, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. You're certain that the price has been paid, the spiritual price, the physical price has been paid for your healing. It's been paid for. But maybe the symptoms are still there in your body. But, you're, but you're, that, that gap between the payment and the arrival, that's where faith is, right? It's between the payment time and the arrival time. It's when we're awaiting the manifestation of healing in our physical bodies. That's what requires us to trust God and to have faith in his word that it really is true, that we're just awaiting its arrival in the, in the seen natural realm, that thing which has already been purchased in the unseen spiritual realm. We're certain. It's not just a matter of, yeah, we hope so. It's a no-so. How can we know? Because that's what God's word says and we know that God's word is true. So we have to, that's where it starts. So we're gonna just do a quick review. Number one, the first truth that we talked about, God is not doing this to me. If you have sickness in your body, you gotta realize the source of your sickness is not God, okay? Number two, this is not God's will for me because I know a lot, of, a lot of people say, well, I know God may not be doing it to me, but he's allowing it and it's his will and he's teaching me something. It's not God's will for you to be sick. It's God's will for you to be well. And, and see, Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't believe, if you don't, if you don't trust that God wants you well, 
it's impossible really to take that step toward being certain that something is yours in the spiritual realm that you haven't necessarily seen yet. See, it's impossible to have faith without knowing what the will of God is. So that's why it's so important for us to realize not only is God not making us sick, but it's also not God's will for us to remain sick. Okay, it's two separate issues. Not only is God not the source of it, but it's not his will for us to remain ill. He wants us well. God wants us well. See, if God didn't want us well, why did he give us an immune system to keep us well? Think about that one. I mean, just logically, think about that. Why in the world did he give us an immune system if he didn't want us well? Because without an immune system, you'd be dead in about three days, okay? Or shortly thereafter, because uh, we need our immune systems, okay? So it is God's will for us to be well. God's will for us to be well. And then the third truth that, we're, that we are establishing through this is that we are not victims. We are not just dust in the wind. I can do something about my situation. I am not a victim. I am a victor. Okay, so I can do something about my situation, and that's good news. The first step in this, in realizing that you can do something about it, the first thing that enemy comes with is he comes with condemnation. As soon as you hear this truth, I can do something about my situation, the first thing the enemy comes with is condemnation, right? He says, well, if you're such hot stuff, why are you still sick? Right, that's the first thing the devil says to you, right? Because he right away goes, oh, really? If that's so true, how come you're still in that situation? Or why is that? And why is that? Questions always come and doubts always try to make their way in. So we've got to resist condemnation whenever we start standing on the word condemnation. The enemy is right there to bring condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, those who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Now, think about that one. Because sometimes we look at ourselves and we look at our own performance and we, we say things like, well, I, I deserve to be in this condition. Look what I did to myself, right? I remember um, there was a, a, a woman that I had ministered to a, a, a husband and a wife and the, the woman was, was dealing with um, cancer and she had smoked for years and years and years and then she got diagnosed with lung cancer and God, God literally moved. I remember I, I was doing a healing class, this is 20 years ago, in that room over there which is now our accounting office but I was teaching a class in there 20 years ago, a healing class and she came and the power of God was amazing and it literally caused her to be all her symptoms to disappear drove, and she was just well and about three or four days later I'm talking to her and she's like well you know I deserve this cancer I mean I smoked for all those years and she started talking herself back into it and, and I'm like no don't accept this 
because condemnation started coming. So she started saying, well, you know, I smoked for all those years and I deserve this and I, how can I expect God to, when I've been so foolish, how can I expect God to really heal me? I said, because it's already paid for. And the power of God ministered to her and it was, she was healed, but you know what happened? She allowed condemnation back in and she ended up dying because she allowed that condemnation and that that looking at yourself and what you deserve, well, let's just get it over with. I deserve to die and go to hell, me. It's the only thing I deserve. It's time for all of us to get over it. We don't earn anything from God. We can never be good enough, and we all deserve to die and go to hell. Next question. So the next time the devil says, you don't deserve this, you say, absolutely, I don't deserve it, but Jesus paid for it, so get out of my body. That's the bottom line. You don't allow the enemy to start reasoning with you, because if you start reasoning with the enemy, he will whip you, because he's a better reasoner than you are, or I am, okay? So you've got to realize that you cannot battle condemnation with logic. You have to battle it with truth. You get that? It does, you cannot reason your way out of condemnation because it doesn't work. You have to battle condemnation with truth. And there's one source of truth, and that's the word of God. So if your heart condemns us, if, if our heart condemns us, it says, 1 John 3, God is greater than our heart. See, I remember way back when my father died I was believing God for my father. My, God did all kinds of crazy miracles and kept my dad alive for three and a half years. But my dad didn't have faith for himself. He, owned, he did well as long as he was unconscious and we were believing God for him. Let me put it that way. As soon as he woke up, he started doing bad again because he talked himself into being sick all the time. Wonderful man. He loved Jesus. He didn't know how to talk worth beans. He would always talk sickness and death and everything. But as long as he was unconscious, he'd get well, okay? So after my father passed away, um, I was feeling very condemned, and I remember it very well. He died on a Saturday. We had his funeral on a Wednesday, and I had to do baptism over in that room over there on the following Sunday, and I felt so condemned. I felt so unworthy. I mean, I couldn't even keep my dad alive, Right? I mean, I was feeling, the enemy was pounding on my head, thinking, oh, you're no good. You couldn't even keep your own father alive. You aren't, worth, you aren't worthy of doing this baptism thing. You just need to sit down and quit the ministry because you're worthless. That was what the enemy was telling me. And I found this verse, and I just sat there and just meditated. If our heart condemns us, because it was my own heart condemning me based on my own performance because I was looking at myself. So bottom line is you can't look at yourself you got to look at Jesus, okay? So if your heart condemns you, understand God is greater than your heart. When your heart's talking to you saying, you ain't worthy, you're not good enough to be healed. You're not good enough to walk in this. Oh, what makes you think God's going to do this for you? Bottom line is, God is greater than your heart. He's greater than your heart. He's greater than my heart. But it says here, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 
And this is his commandment. What's the commandment that we need to keep? Here it is. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us the commandment. So it's not all the 613 commandments and don't do this on Sunday and don't do that or don't do this or don't do that. The commandment that he's talking about is to believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. That's our command. That's, that's what we are called to do, to believe on the name of his son and to love one another. So that if we'll just focus on that and focus on truth, and when condemnation comes... We need to realize it's not about us, it's all about him. That God is greater than our hearts and we need to resist that condemnation. We need to resist the whole thing that says, well, what makes you think you're, gonna, you're so special that God's gonna heal you? There ain't nothing special about me. God has provided healing for everybody. Amen. Everybody. When Jesus was on the earth, it says he healed them how, healed them who? Them all. He healed them all. Not just a couple, not just a special few, not just those that looked just right or acted just right or did everything perfect. No, he healed them all. As many as came to him, he healed. So what do we have to do? We have to come to him. We come to him. That's, that, that's it. We come to him. We come and come to him and believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We come to him. That's, that's our job. Because if it was more than that, we'd mess it up, right? That's the bottom line. So how do we discover the will of God? We, do, we discover it through his word. We discover prayer through prayer and listening to, the, listening to God as we're praying and following peace. We talked about this a little bit last week, so I'm doing a little bit review here. Next, we need... When our, in our process here, after we've realized that, hey, God is greater than our hearts, we've got to exercise our God-given authority through Jesus' name. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, you can meditate on that, just that scripture, and you can honestly just chew on that for a very long time and it will do you a lot of good because Jesus is talking here. He says, I give you authority over all the, what? Power of the enemy. And authority is different than power. Power, the, the devil may have power, but Jesus has authority and he's given us Authority. The difference between authority and power is the. Oh, I'm going to use an old example. It's the best one I can. That's the best one I know of. So I'm going to use it again. If you've heard it before, it won't do. It won't hurt you at all to hear it again. I've been delivered from the fear of repetition. So, if an 18 wheeler is going down the road, it weighs 60,000 pounds, going 55 miles an hour. It can, it can smash through a, a brick wall if, if it's going down the road like that. It would squash a person like a bug. You'd just be a spot on the road if, if, you, if you stood in front of it. But yet, you can have a 140-pound, skinny little Barney Fife-looking deputy stand there, 
and he can have his badge and he can hold up his hand like this and stand in front of that truck and that truck will come to a screeching halt. That truck has power, but that little skinny dude, he has authority, right? And authority trumps power every time. See, now, Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, I give you power. Jesus said, I give you authority, which is better than power. Authority controls power. And the little skinny guy controls that powerful semi-truck or that locomotive or whatever big powerful thing you can imagine, just with a hand like this. But even though that thing was more powerful, this authority represents a more powerful authority. See, the little skinny guy is not the end of the road because if you ran over the little skinny guy, you know what would happen? They would come after you with cars and helicopters and machine guns eventually if you didn't stop, right? So just because, don't be deceived by the little skinny guy with his hand up because that's not the end of the road. He has authority, but that authority represents a greater power that backs him up. So, case in point, when we stand and we're coming against the enemy, the enemy might rage and he might make all kinds of noise, but you have authority. And your authority represents all the power of heaven backing up God's word. So that when you talk, it's like Jesus is standing behind you, the big brother, and when you put your hand up and you say, stop, they're not just looking at you anymore because Jesus said, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Funny story, we have a little tiny dog. It's this big. She's a horrible little dog. I don't like her. She barks at everybody, and if I had my way, we wouldn't have her anymore, but I don't have to get to, get to make that decision. But, so I have to put up with this little dog, and she barks, and we were at, we were at a cottage, we were renting a cottage, and there was this dog next door that was a, a big dog. Now, you gotta understand, our dog weighs like eight pounds, so this big. <laughs> She thinks she's tough, but she's just a little runt. And she went over and she was eating out of the big dog's dish. That's a good way to get eaten as a little dog yourself. But anyway, she's eating out of the neighbor's dog's dish. And this dog is like a 90-pound black lab. And she's eight pounds. She's this big. And she's over there. And that dog comes up and he goes, Roof! Roof! And our dog, literally, I've never seen her run so fast. She's that dog's behind her going roof, roof. I'm thinking he's gonna eat her, get her, kill her. <laughs> Not really, I'm just joking, but kinda. Um, wishful thinking, but it didn't happen. Uh, so this little dog is just, I mean, just running in stark terror, right? And this other dog is running as fast as he can. This little dog, her little legs are going like this, and the big dog's going, roof, roof, right? All of a sudden, the little dog, and, I, and I'm thinking, what's going on? So I come running out there, and I come, run, I come to the middle of the yard, and that dog comes running at me, and I go, stand down! I went like that to that dog. That dog stopped in his tracks. And as soon as, that, as, soon as our little dog 
saw me, she came behind me. She goes, She says, can't get me now, you know. Why did she do that? Because I represented authority. Now, she was behind me, and she's gone. Just being a total pain that she always is. Because I was protecting her. Because that dog, when I walked out there and I pointed at him and I yelled at him, that dog stopped in his tracks because he recognized authority. See, now that's a silly story, but you'll remember now the difference between power and authority, right? That dog had power, but I had authority in that situation. So that's what you have to remember. When the devil is going roof, 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 you just need to stand up and realize that all the authority of Jesus in heaven and all the power of God is behind you so that when you go stop, the devil will stop because you have authority. You've got authority over all the power of the enemy. But what we have to do is we have to exercise that authority. We cannot just sit by and complain about, oh, the devil's after me. Oh, the devil's after me. No. Just tell him to leave you alone. Tell him to get out. He's got to listen. He has to. Why? Because you have authority. Mark 16, it says, these signs will follow those who believe. In, this is Jesus talking, in my name, they will cast out demons. Yes, it says that in the Bible. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And then the last one, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It's in your Bible, Mark chapter 16. It says, they'll lay hands on the sick, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. This is Jesus. This is Jesus talking, okay? These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in the name of Jesus? Okay. That means you're a believer, right? Do you have hands? Show me your hands. Then you have believer's hands. And the Bible says that if, you have, if you're a believer and you have hands, you can lay your hands on people. And what does it say? They might recover? No, it says they will recover. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Does that, have you seen that manifested 100% of the time? No, I haven't seen it manifested 100% of the time, but it's still true. Because why? Because it's in here. I've seen it manifested hundreds and thousands of times, but I've not seen it 100% of the time, but it's not because the word's not true. It's because sometimes we get the application messed up. Now, here's the deal. It says, it says flat out, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, Luke chapter nine, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. This is not... This is not just Jesus now. Now this is Jesus commissioning other people to do the same thing that he was doing. He said he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. 
John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. This is Jesus again. He says, he who believes in me, a minute ago you said you believed in Jesus. Okay, this, so this is, he who believes in me, the works that I do, what did Jesus do when he was on the earth? Well, he healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He made the blind to see. He made the lame to walk. He made the deaf to hear. And he actually raised people from the dead. A couple times. That's interesting. He says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works than these. Will he do because I go to the Father? And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now that is the, that is the most blank check verse I've ever seen. That's what you call a blank check. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And he's asking, he's basically giving you an invitation to seek him and to believe him for, for, to help people, to heal people, to always step out and to trust him. He's asking you, he's saying, listen, if you believe in me, you can do what I did. I want you to do what I did. It's not like we have to convince God, oh God, won't you move? Won't you empower me? No, he wants to empower you. He wants you well. He wants you as his agent in the earth, bringing his power, his authority, his kingdom to all the people that you come in contact with. He wants us to do that. That's his will. He wants us desperately to walk in his will to help people. Why? Because he loves people. He loves everyone in the earth. So what do we do? After we, we, we know God's given us authority, what do we do? We need to declare. The next step is declare God's word. We've got to declare God's word. Declare it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Romans 4, 17 God who gives life to the dead and God calls things that be not as though they were. God calls things that be not as though they were. When God looked at the darkness of the earth, it says he looked at the darkness and gross darkness that covered the earth and God didn't say, man, it's dark out there. It's not what God said. He said, let there be light or light be and light was. So just saying what you see is not going to help. If you keep saying what you have, you'll keep having what you say. Think about it. If you only say what you have, you'll continue to have what you say, which is what you already have. Right? So what God's, can, what God's principle is, is you call those things that be not as though they were. So what is the principle there? When you are feeling ill, you say, thank you, Father, that I am well, that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. What are you doing? You're calling those things that be not as though they were. That's right. Now, you, you don't need to tell your neighbors. You don't need to tell other people. You tell yourself and you tell the devil. It's not it's something you need to put on Facebook necessarily because that's just that's casting your pearls before swine, if you will. Okay, so don't, you don't necessarily do that every time. But what I'm saying is your confession many times is for your own sake. 
You're confessing it wise. Part of the reason is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're basically building faith yourself by confessing God's word. And you're enforcing the power of God by enforcing God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you continue to confess God's word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what's written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we speak. If we believe, whatever you believe will come out your mouth sooner or later. Whatever you believe will come out your mouth sooner or later. I remember, it was again about probably 15 years ago now, there was a young man that was, that was dealing with uh, cancer and I was ministering to him and God showed me some, some stuff and I brought it to him and, and addressed some issues and, and challenged him on some things and his wife and we talked and he ended up passing away a couple weeks later and the wife came to me afterwards and she says, I just knew he was gonna die. I looked at her, I said, that's not what you said to me. Oh, I know that's what I said, and I, you know, I said what you said, but I really always just knew he was going to die. And I went, wow, that's too bad. Because we didn't, give us, didn't really give him a chance in that situation because you just always were undoing your, your confessions, see? So part of it is what, what is in your heart will eventually come out your mouth, whether it's doubt and unbelief or whether it's faith. So you need to put God's word in your heart so that God's word can come out your mouth consistently because you'll have whatsoever things you say. You will have it. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right in that particular situation because as a, as a person believes in their heart, so are they. That's Proverbs, okay? So we need to make sure that we put God's word in our heart so that that is what's coming out our mouth and we continually put God's word in our heart. Put it in, put it in, put it in. And there must be a point at which you believe you receive, that point of contact. We've got to get to that point that God's word is in our heart in abundance. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.